Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 111. It's all happening. The league titles are starting, or well, they're getting close to being decided. Uh, Tommy's joining me. How are you, man? Oh, he got caught Fetch out. Fetch me. He was on mute. He was on I mute. got caught out. What an amateur. Who would have thought a podcast with no revenue strand being like this? No way. <laughs> Fetch me my bathing toaster, Sam. Was that a hint, hint, nudge, nudge, somebody pay us? I think it was. Uh, Cooper is also here. How you doing, man? Yeah, good, Sam. Um, I'm I'm not muted, but you did just tell me to shut the fuck up. So I was a little bit... I, I did. I was, I was semi yeah. on the border for I, I wanted I to start. jump in or not. I just assumed you were going to shut up, though, because uh, we're going to talk about some of the leagues that aren't the Premier League and that generally you provide nothing in this. So um, all, all I can tell you is that I just noticed that there's a, a name in this league that... I'm definitely not going to be able to say, but it looks, if you just said it like a proper dogger, that it's Clermont Foot, and I'm yeah, all about Clermont, it. Clermont Foot. I don't know how they say the last bit, but I like to say Foot, and you fade away there and not pronounce the T. You, of course, would be talking about League 1. League 1. Um, we're going to start with that because PSG lost, and that's what we like to do on this show. Every time PSG lose, we kind of have a little giggle about it. <laughs> uh, but, Tommy, it's not as funny when they're probably still going to win a trophy, is it? Uh, look, it was done and dusted weeks ago, months ago, mm. years ago when the investment came in, surely. What else I say? They're five points behind. Yeah. There's not a lot of there's not a chance, is there? They're not um, three. So PSG came out and lost 3-1 to Lorient, 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 Lorient. You're, you're nailing this. I think Lorient. Lorient. I prefer, I kind of prefer Cooper's dogger pronunciations though. Lorient. 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 I'm going to go with Lorient. And uh, the, yeah, they beat PSG 3-1. Marseille won 2-1 at home to Troyes. I don't know how to say that one. It's Troy Cooper. with ES on the end. Troyes. Uh, Troyes. Troyes. We'll go with Troy's. Troy's. T-Roy. T-Roy. Like... Skip nickname. T-Roy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Des and Troy's. Des, Des Troy's. Des and it's... Troy. No, it's T-Roy Super U and you can't drive it. Marseille beat T-Roy. Uh, Des, Des, Des and Troy. Um, Matteo Guenduzzi got on the score sheet. Yeah, they've moved within five points of PSG. Um, just looking at the run home, Guendouzi. though. Uh, PSG play T-Roy. Uh, Ajaccio, Ajur, Strasbourg, and Clermont Fut. All right. So uh, they're probably very winnable games. And uh, Marseille, on the other hand, play Lens, who are third. They play Angers. They play Lille, who are fifth. Then they play Brest and Ajaccio. So I think Marseille have the tougher draw. They have to make up five points. PSG would have to drop. Two more games, and I just don't think they're going to do that, are they? This time of year, they're nothing else, you know. No, it's done. I mean, not not unless they're getting sending offs every game. I mean, that that's what clearly changed this game. That you yeah. like, Lorian got the early goal, of course, but you know, Hakimi being sent off is a big factor in this. Um, yeah, uh, they still they just got too much in the locker, don't they? Um, another league that depth. is another league that's pretty much it's it's a much wider gap. It's been sewn up for a long time. It just needs to be mathematically made sure of is Syria. Napoli had the chance uh, to win it. Uh, they just had to win at home against Salerno or Salernitana. Uh, I believe, what did we call them? Salernitana, no, 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 once. I think we did. Yep. And then Cooper Cooper made a TikTok of it with the Batman music. That was funny. Um, a late equaliser for Salerno got a draw which was enough to kind of spoil that party, put it on the back burner. Napoli still only need one more point, and there is still six games to go over there for them. So um, they're looking pretty cruisy. They're going to wrap it up. The reason they were in the position to win it in the first place, though, was uh, there was a cracking game at the San Siro on Sunday night Inter against Lazio. Um, Inter took the lead early, Mkhitaryan. VAR ruled it out offside. It was clearly offside. Commentators were bemused, but it was pretty clear. Um, I've got a feeling it's one of those, you know when you can tell when you're watching a game where the commentators aren't at the ground? Mm-hmm. Like every game in Australia right now? Yeah. So they can only go by what kind of replay they get shown. If they don't, if they're not looking in the right place, they won't see it. Um, kind of frustrating, annoying, but... 
Uh, Anderson scored for Lazio and got them going. I was kind of cheering for Lazio to win because they're in second place clear and for, for Milan's Champions League positions, they kind of wanted Inter to drop points, but Inter came back in the second half, uh, got three goals. Lazio, who've had a very solid defence all year, completely capitulated. Um, ending with the last goal was a Lucas Maura style back pass straight to one of the deadliest strikers in the competition, Lataro Martinez, and he put it away. Um, interesting in this one, I can't remember if we talked about Romelu Lukaku last week. I think we did about how Inter don't want to keep him. So what are his options now? But he stepped up with two massive assists when they needed him. So who knows? Who knows? I think they'd be silly not to try and extend him, but because I don't think Chelsea are going to want to pay him. But who knows? Mm. That would just be down to finances, wouldn't it? Whether or not Chelsea can broker a deal with Inter that suits all parties. Because yeah, I'm with you. It yeah. makes most sense to keep him there. Um, yeah. Just on uh, Lataro Martinez, he's yeah. a look. If you only watched him play in the World Cup, you would think that this guy is bang average, like one of the most yeah. overrated strikers in the world. But what he does for Inter consistently uh, is wild. And he notched up uh, a, a good record on the weekend. He scored. Uh, his 15th goal and plus that. And that meant it was the third consecutive Serie A season that he did that. Um, yeah, it's consistency. Which is a crazy record. And there's only been two others in Inter Milan's history that have done this, Sammy. Or Cooper. I don't know. Test is Serie A. Oh, I'll have a go. It's, it's in the 21st century. So that should give you the biggest hint. Two others? What two was others. The, can, can I just get a, a confirmation on the statistic there? 15 goals in at least three consecutive Serie A seasons. Mm. In the 21st century. Yeah. I mean, it's over the last 55 years, but it's only been done very recently. Is one Diego Melito? No, it's not. No, it's not. One's really obvious, and then one's got a cool okay. Australian connection. Is Well, one is Christian Vieri. Yes. Bang, there it is. Yeah. Christian Vieri, yeah. Uh, um, 2001 to 2003, he did it in. His, this could, yeah. Go on, could, you go. Could be the worst guess of all time. Ed and Jacko? No, nah, not Jacko. No. Um, let me, I had one more. Oh, oh, I've lost it. You'll probably you'll probably kick yourself if you don't get this, Sammy. Will I? He's a prominent footballer. It's not Zlatan. No. Nah. Hmm, you're gonna have to tell me. I've lost. Oh uh, wait, Adriano. No. Oh, okay. Go on. You go. You go. Mauro oh. Acardi. Oh, Mauro Acardi, of course. Yes. Yeah. 2014 uh, to 2017. I think we always forget how prominent he was at Inter because he's kind of faded into almost nothing at the moment. Is he still at PSG? I think he's at PSG. Definitely yeah. obscurity. Um, if we don't know where he's playing. On track to be like a, uh, an Inter captain for years and years. He was their captain and the ultras turned on him and... He just said some dumb shit and, yeah, that went sour. But, yeah, there you go. Uh, do you want to He's... share with the listeners the Christian Vieri Australian connection for those? Oh, oh mate. Look, my first int- – this is funny. My first introduction to Australian football was my very dogger dad. Love him. He <laughs> grew into the game the more and more that my brother and I started supporting it and his knowledge now rivals all of us. But at the beginning, he only had a very few connections to the game and one was Christian Vieri not representing Australia. Yeah. Well, he was born was, in Italy. He was born in Italy, but his brother Max represented Australia, which is why I think yeah. that everyone got their back up thinking, oh, why aren't you playing for the fucking green and gold as well? Yeah, his brother Max represented Australia a couple of times, but um, yeah, they moved, the family not moved to Australia, Australia when Christian was pretty young, I think. And um, yeah, he played a bunch of football in New South Wales. And there you the go. original Volpato. Yeah, there you go. OG Volpato, Christian Vieri. Had quite a good goal record. Um, Inter by far was the, I've just looked it up now, 103 goals and 143 league games for them was a decent decent return. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah that's pretty so, good. There you go. Um, other stuff in Serie A, I'll just quickly try and move it on. I'm not sure how much people are interested in the Italian league, but Juve were held to a draw away to Bologna and uh, Torino, beat, uh, Torino lost to Atalanta. So this is a World Champions League. Uh, you know, influ- like results that are influencing the Champions League standings. Roma and Milan was the big one in Rome. Uh, one of those classic Italian games where nothing happened, literally nothing happens until stoppage time when Tammy Abraham, who had barely touched the ball, uh, scored in the 93rd minute only for Milan to equalise in the 97th and get a point. 
Um, it leaves the table looking like Napoli miles ahead, then Lazio, who are only one point ahead of Juve now that they've got their points back. Um, and then Inter fourth, three points behind them. Uh, but tied on the same amount of points as Inter is Milan and Roma. So it's all to play for in Italy outside of the outside of first position. So there you yep. go. At the uh, business end of the season, Sammy. Let's roll yeah, the cliches out. Do you find much irony in at the start of this season when we were really trying to sell the Serie A to the listeners? It was if you're sick of title races that finish 10 weeks out from the end of the season, get around the Serie A because it's the most competitive league in Europe right now. Yeah. And it's what, one of the only top five leagues in Europe that has pretty much a sewn-up title yeah, race. Yeah, basically. Um, they're kind of like... Most of the leagues for the last few years have really been like, it's like watching an F1 race now where you're just like, oh, let's watch the rest of the pack. I'm interested in second through to 20th. You know, first is often gone. Uh, but not so much the case uh, in the Bundesliga. We've been talking about this every week because Bayern and Dortmund, every time we record a changing hands in the lead, Dortmund last week took it over. Um, I said that Bayern had gifted Dortmund the opportunity to blow it again and see how they could blow it. And how did they blow it this time? By drawing one all away to Berkham, who are not good. Um, but were relegation probably maybe threatened. worth their draw. Re- relegation threatened, definitely. Um, they scored in like the third minute or something, and then Dortmund equalized in the seventh, uh, but couldn't couldn't go on with it. They had a there was a massively controversial penalty call in this one. I'm not sure if either of you saw this. I didn't catch it. That yeah, explained I, it to me in I, full uh, detail. I caught it and I can't. Um, you're going to have to let me know whether it was Karim Adeyemi or, or me a Malin, um, Sam, but it was probably one of the worst non-penalty calls I've seen. And and they have, I'm correct in thinking they have VAR on the full tick over there as well. And I they just do. Don't, they I just do. Wait, don't, is, this, um, is this the two-foot one? Yeah. Yeah, in the box. Oh, was that in the box? Oh, Through the back of the defender. Bro. That's no, disgusting. Not given a penalty, Not no VAR mentioned, not at all. Um, It has... Uh, German football fans. I say German football fans, not just Borussia fans up in arms because they want to see someone knock off Bayern, but um, a disgraceful call. Um, I will say you have to be neutral in these things. It didn't cost Borussia the game because they just butchered a bunch of chances as well. Adeyemi should have scored a few more, but um, you know that's what's going to happen when you're relying on a 19-year-old to score you your goals and win you leagues. But... Um, Bayern then had the opportunity to go top again with a win at home to Hertha Berlin. They were nil all at halftime, but then came through with two goals to take the lead again. So that one's still all to play for. It's one point in it with four games to play each, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Proper seesaw battle. But my my favorite part of this was waking up. Um, what was it? Sunday morning. This was played Saturday night, was it? Or whatever yeah. it was. And just being able to. Uh, relate to like the disappointment of football and the the absolute like it was it was just so predictable because you called it you said before the game you're like let's see the next way the doorman can disappoint me how are we going to throw away this this league title now yeah yeah and they they did and they did it um it wasn't the only game to bring about such predictable disappointment. I'm going to go on to the Premier League now. We'll go right back to last week. There was a bunch of midweek fixtures. Uh, we're only going to talk about one of them, but we recorded the night before Manchester City played Arsenal. I predicted a Manchester City 4-0 win, um, and it was 4-1. I was close. Um, I don't know which one of you wants to take the reins on this, but... I just I love that your pessimism got the better of you, and it was entirely correct. It was correct. It was correct. I think everyone could see it coming, couldn't they? Ah, uh, look, I guess, I guess from the outset, yeah. Given Arsenal's form, City were striking. You know the match, and um, yeah, yeah. Their their starting eleven is still far superior to Arsenal's starting eleven. Like City's starting eleven is to everyone else in this league. Yeah. Um, but you just for me, I always reserve a little bit of hope, given how good Arsenal's been. And given the record as well, there has to come a time now where Arsenal does beat Manchester City. Yeah. And this felt like the perfect opportunity to do it, but maybe it's one season too early because City was so convincing in, in the way that they won this game. Yeah. It could be a season too early. I mean, Arsenal still have what the, the youngest. Do they, do they have the average they youngest do. side out yeah. there in the league? Um, 
So it's it's a miracle they've done what they've done this season. It just hurts to be that far kind of ahead and have it all there in front of you and not be able to take it. Um, you well, look that's at- why that's why we should determine seasons based on the length of time that you've been top. <laughs> you rather don't than believe that. <laughs> rather than who finishes on top after you're baiting games. me. You're baiting me. You do not I believe just think, that. Look, I don't mind it. I think if you're gonna, you know, be beholden to the 38 game dichotomy, maybe you should just open your mind a little bit. And consider that you know the team that's been on top the longest is probably the better team. Yeah. Cooper, anything you want to add on this game? Yeah, I don't know. I think I was on your page when we discussed it in the last podcast, Sam, that I just thought it was just going to be a case of Man City too good, like it was the first time the two teams met earlier in the season, and yeah. like it was again on Wednesday. And you know whether it's a season too early or not, I think I think the sting in the tail of this one, and the only sting for Arsenal at this point is that they didn't even really give themselves an opportunity to to put the title on the line against City. They they really put the pressure on themselves massively with their football for two or three weeks before the game. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, City probably came into it licking their lips and they were just way too good. Yeah. Kevin De, Kevin De Bruyne is just a different class. It's the drop points leading into it. There was a fear all along that City were going to be too good for Arsenal. It's just Arsenal had the gap and just had to maintain it, even if they lost to City and kept winning their other games. Um, but just dropped too many silly points on the way in. And guys like Kevin De Bruyne are standing up, showing their absolute class. These guys, some of these guys are at their peak of their powers right now, and they're just unstoppable. Yeah, I just, I just, sorry, Tommy, I just wonder if you spoke just then about potentially it being a season too early, but, you know, we get to next season and, and it could be a season too late because, this current Man City team don't give you many opportunities to have a crack at the title in which you do not need to beat City both times that you play them. But there was an opportunity to win this league without beating City once this season. And and whether it be too early or not, I, I don't see that opportunity coming again. Oh, rough. <laughs> That's so harrowing because they've won five of yeah. the last six. And so now you're considering a future where... City go on and do like a Juventus or a Bayern Munich or whatever. You really yeah. think they're going to roll nine out of the 10 in a decade? Like they can't, it cannot happen in best league in the world TM. <laughs> we, um, we talked about uh, Pep the other week and about some of his like his innovations tactic wise. And then you see him out here rolling out with a 3 2 4 1 with center backs playing holding midfield. Love it. I love it. Is John he's, Stones the best holding midfielder in the Premier League now? or He's <laughs> um, at Kante levels. Look, when you've got all those players in that team, you can afford to play. Like, you can afford to have someone in there that just to do a job that's maybe not the best DM, but can do it when you've got your next to Rodri. And in front of you is a shield of Jack Grealish, Gundogan, uh, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva. Like, you can afford to do That's the thing. It. It exposes like um, if he was going to be the free man in this game because of the press on other um, individual talents to have a guy like that, to be able to distribute the ball and connect passes in like two, three movements and stuff like that is you can't, you can't overestimate like how important that is in certain fixtures to be able to call upon this guy to be able to do that. So he's, he's massively, we, we rate him, but I still think overall, He's been massively underrated by the by the press and whoever else this season. It'd be interesting to see the PFA teams of the year and whether or not he gets anywhere near it or where do if we Gareth Southgate wants to experiment with him in midfield. Where do we stand on this city season as a whole in comparison to the seasons they've put up in recent history? Because for me, with the way the season's gone and, and just how it's felt that they weren't the dominant team in the league, I would have said that it was one of City's weaker title seasons in the last five odd years and they've got six games to go in the league in which they will be short favorites in all of them and if they win all of those they'll still finish with 94 points which is it's fucking insanity to think that a team can finish on 94 points in the premier league in a season in which people have described as weak Mm -hmm. that's a lot i think the scariest part about city you know outside of the fact that they've been able to pick up results here there and everywhere is the adaptability that Pep's shown with his squad this season, the amount of different formations they've played, the players they've employed in different kind of positions, like we were just talking about with John Stones, being able to incorporate a striker into a winning team, which is the one thing that people have said over the last few years that you wouldn't be able to fit a striker into this City team. And yet 
Haaland scored 50 goals now for the season and they're still on track to win, what, a treble potentially? It's nuts. I think this is, you know, maybe this is one of their their more crowning glory seasons because this could be the one that establishes them as the utmost force going forward. If if they get their hands on a treble this season, it's going to be the proper English football treble too. It's going to be the real, it's going to be a Premier League, FA Cup, UEFA Champions League treble. And it's That's the one. Frightening as fuck, isn't it? They could do it. They could. I mean, they're going to beat Real Madrid, don't they? So that's that. This is the big test. I reckon whoever they face in the final, they'll beat. So if they can get there, they'll win. Yep. Good. Uh, we're going to move it on. Uh, we'll get to the weekend's fixtures. We spent a big part of uh, the first half of the season whinging about the early kickoff on the Saturday being an absolutely deplorable game. And this Saturday, we looked at the fixtures that were coming up, and I think in multiple group chats, getting around, there was phrases like. The Premier League tonight is minging. Why is there only three games and they're all shit? And then at 9pm on a Saturday in God's country, Adelaide, Palace United and West Ham put on a seven-goal belter, 4-3. What a thriller. Who was in watching this one? I caught the last 20 minutes of it when the game was pretty much done. <laughs> I caught this game. Cracker, Cooper, you saw this one? Yeah, so parts of it was fantastic. I mean just high paced. And I think, you know, we spoke about Palace being full of those X factor players. And when it really clicks for all of them on the same day that they can be really entertaining and West Ham don't mind a goal. And both teams are just a fucking absolute wide open drain at the back. So made for entertaining football. Mm, the the best and worst of Palace, like you say, when they all click together, they've got some, uh, you know, they can, they can score some goals there. Some exciting players there, Zaha, Ize, Olise, um, even Jordan Ayew when he turns it on. You, I think we gave him shit the other week, but well, you gave him shit, Cooper, but um, he's hanging around thanks to the likes rem- of Luke Ayew. He's, rem- he's remembered how to be a striker. <laughs> I, was actually, I, was, I was actually just going to say to Tom, after you've just said that you didn't catch this game, if there was a way that I could describe this game best to you, it was like 90 minutes of watching Leeds go against Leeds. <laughs> oh, Leeds that's internal. good. I um, like that. But yeah, completely vulnerable at the back just about every time oh, yeah, uh, the opposition sense. went forward. And that goes for both teams in this game. It was it was all over the place. Uh, is that a good or a bad thing? I guess it's a good thing. It didn't seem like none of the goals came about from ridiculous errors or anything like that. It mm. was just uh, some, some good attacking football from both sides. And I love that two managers set out there and let them go at each other like that. It was good. I agree. I think it's a good thing. And this is the kind of thing that you want to see more of, especially from teams that are in the positions of Palace and West Ham. Don't defend, don't lock up, just go and play each other and see what happens. Like that, this is what we want to see. This is the game of football. Just play. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but it's better than sitting 10 behind the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brentford beat Forest 2-1. I don't know if either of you caught this one. I saw a little bit, but uh, it was just a case of Brentford just started really turning the screws late on. Forest to be real disappointed to have dropped um, dropped all the points in this game. They probably would have taken a point against Brentford. Um, but the two second-half goals turned around, both really avoidable near-post goals as well by the looks of it. Yeah. The way um, it's go- I was just going to say quick, the way it's going, if Forest could have got a draw out of this, they would be out of the relegation zone. So that mm. is a massive point dropped. Yeah, huge point dropped. Um, I don't know if you had a good look at Ivan Tony's free kick or not, Sam. Yeah. But the player standing, I'm pretty sure it was Moose near <laughs> on, on the end of the wall? From Nottingham Forest on the end of the wall, jumped yep. about a metre out of the wall as the free kick was in the air and the ball just slotted straight through the straight hole he was it. in. And Kaylor Navas just stood up looking so bemused after it went in. Yeah. And, and Navas himself didn't cover himself in glory on that one either. No, and I didn't Bob. think he covered himself in glory in the second but, goal, and he nearly he nearly you're relying got on the wall, aren't you? I, I would say so. I, I would. Be yeah, it's not. It's not in the corner though. Yeah, and like he gets it's a, very, he gets it's really very, very savable. Both yeah. goals, he gets a really solid hand to, and pushes one into the side netting, and one the second goal is at his near post, and they questioned it on VAR for offside, and and Navas was trying to say that the player was in his line, but he wasn't. He was a good meter out to the side of him. And whether he's distracting him or not, he's got a full hand to this and pushed it into the back I think, of the post. Does he not um, also have his own player in his yeah, line? In the same area. Well? I'm yeah. much more forgiving of the that second goal him. because um, to me, the second, like the winner that Brentford get, Forrest will be 
You know, I wouldn't put that one on the keeper. I'm putting it on the lack of pressure in the box. The amount of time the guy has in the box to just wander in closer to goal and then absolutely cannon it near post because it's fairly close range, isn't it? Like he's not further out than like what the penalty spot would be, is he? Yeah, probably on the yeah, penalty spot same. angle around the, yeah, between pon- the penalty yeah, exactly. spot and the edge of the box. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think you're right. And there's a de- there's defenders in there. There's bodies in the way, and he just smashes it near post and you know beats him with power. But the free kick, yeah, was was poor. And Tony hadn't really had much of a sniff till then either, and he popped up with that. So um, I, I, I reckon the, the the near post thing for keepers is a myth. I think because if a shot is well taken like that, yeah, I mean, I think you're a lot anticipating of the, across the goal. You know, a lot of the time it is. Definitely. They get those ones, you know, when they come in and it's kind of a, it's not really a one-on-one, but they're kind of, they're on that angle. You know, most players are looking to go across the keeper or, you you know, square one up. So either way, the keeper is, you know, they always say the keeper should have the near post cover because that's his area and the defenders can deal with the rest, but you can't just, he's still got the whole goal to cover. You know, it's at the end of the day, the keeper's only one man in the, you know, in between the sticks, there's plenty of room and players at that level were good enough to find the gaps. That's why they get paid the money they do to score goals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the keeper harshness on near post goals is it, it, it irks me a bit sometimes. It's overstated. Um, it's definitely overstated. Brighton beat Wolves six nil. Uh, I don't know if either of you caught this. I don't know if anyone would have been tuning in to watch this. Cause I just generally am not a fan of watching Wolves games at all at the moment. They're not very exciting, but this one, this one had a bit of interest. Uh, 4-0 after 39 minutes. Uh, our man, Dennis Zundav, with a double. We've been waiting all year for him to pop up for Brighton off our fantasy bench, and he has with a double. Pascal Gross got a couple, and Danny Welbeck got a couple. Good to see. I love goals in pairs. Um, I don't disagree with you when you say uh, that we shouldn't watch Wolves games because they are rubbish. Mm. They are the legitimate mid-table median team this season. Um, but Brighton potentially ruled out of European spots after defeat in the previous mm. week, but have emphatically brought it back. And they are definitely in reach of fifth, given what Spurs are up to at the moment. And, you know, Villa losing to Man United as well. So there's still points to be gained here. There's These two teams above them are not invincible by any means. Um, but I just, I love that Undav has scored twice in a game that he's playing, you know, twice in the game week. And we haven't put him in the team. <laughs> we haven't cha- made a change to our team for a long time. A long time. Not since the I World just, Cup, I don't think. Yeah, well, that's what you get for loyalty, isn't it? Uh, we're just, uh, we're letting, we're leaving it because we're just letting Todd have it at the moment. Todd's flogs still lead the way. Our heaps about nothing, friend. They're uh, top of the pile and going strong. Like I said last week, it would be convenient. I can just drop it at his house if he wins it. Good stuff. Um, we'll get on to we the Sunday games. We'll get on to the Sunday games. Uh, Bournemouth 4, Leeds 1. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about anything at all to do with the game, but perhaps it's worth some discussion about some of the movements going on at Leeds and the, the big rumours as we go to air, lots of rumours that Sam Allardyce will take over. Mm, the big movement is that I'm going to have to buy KO next season in order to watch this team. And that's really, you know, if you're a long-time <laughs> listener, that's really going to fuck me off. I don't want to have to purchase KO again. <laughs> We're rubbish, dude. Outside of that, the management yep. of the team is rubbish. There's rightful pressure on Garcia. Do I want to see him be replaced by Sam Allardyce, though? This seems like a lose-lose situation, and we're spiralling into meme club territory. Hmm. Stay up and sign Allardyce, or just... Nope. I'd rather go down. You'd rather I go just, down. I do not want that myth again to be perpetuated. And even if we yeah. do get relegated with Allardyce, then it just we just look stupid. You just look ridiculous for the thing. Oh, Big Sam's going to save it. No, he didn't. He took us down anyway. Mm. Cooper? Yeah, I don't know if you're spiraling into meme club territory or you're already deep, deep into it. Um, that might be a oh, bit... You would no, say I, that. I don't think so. They... Man fond of dogs. How many years back up now? Leeds? This is our third season back up. Yeah, you need a good five or six, I think, before it starts to be like meme territory. How long is it going to take Leeds to come back up if they do go down on this occasion? Oh, we'll we'll never we... come back up. Never. <laughs> do, we We're wanna, done. do we want to come back up? No, nah, no way. We've had our fun in the sun. And it's not that fun. It's fucking shit. 
You have one good season under a genius and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we're that team that almost gets relegated every season. <laughs> we're like the new Southampton. If we're going to, if we don't go down this season, then we'll be 17th again next season. And then probably 18th and next season after that. So what's the point? Yeah. We're, brilliant. It's a poorly run club with a very uh, imperfect vision because of the, the changing nature of the ownership uh, uh, rads, Rodriziani has been angling to sell to the San Francisco 49ers for like three years now. And every year they buy a little bit more, they buy a little bit more. And so Rads doesn't want to invest in the team because it's only going to be, you know, a, a loss that won't be consolidated. Uh, Victor Order has just been given free reign with, ever, with whatever little funds we have. He signed a 30 million pound striker who Gracia just refuses to give any minutes to whatsoever. What is the point? We're not a club that's in any switch, uh, situation to spend £30 million and not use that player. The team looks beaten. I think I said to you at 3-1, we looked beaten, and then we conceded another one. It could have been 5-1. Look, I don't know. We're relying on the teams below us to not win another game. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, Man City beat Fulham 2-1. I don't know if you have anything on this. We've kind of talked City already, but maybe the Alvarez goal worth a mention. Yeah, I'd just like to reiterate your comments the other week that I'm just so fucking sick of the City Football Group and watching them hold the ball in the corner for the last six minutes of a game against Fulham just fucking pissed me off through the teeth. And I've sat here thinking since we spoke league on earlier that we gave Troyes way too much positive time for a team that is now also part of the City Football Group. Oh, of course they are. Yeah. Is that Kisnorbo's team? by the, the Aussie wonder, Paddy mm. Kisnorbo, yeah. just No way. Kisnorbo beat... That's insane. I didn't even can make that connection. They're actually my favourite City football group team because they suck right now. And it's just <laughs> nice to see one of them lose. <laughs> yeah, but they'll go back down and spring straight back up. That's... uh, Yeah, that's rough. I liked uh, the Vinicius goal as well. There was a couple of good goals in this game. Uh, I think Fulham did a better job on City than Arsenal did. Uh, which is interesting. I don't know if anyone saw the video pre-game of Pep really stressing out for no, well, you would think for no reason, but it was just an elongated video of him rubbing his head and just looking really confused and upset and not sure what to do. And the game kind of played out like that in a way because Fulham definitely rattled City. There were, there were moments, I mean, Grealish at times was towing the line very finely. He definitely could have received a second yellow somewhere. I, I don't mind that he didn't, but he was definitely uh, infuriated throughout. Harland was at his, you know, banterish best. Um, but ultimately, you just can't get that second goal, that third goal to beat City at the moment. And just and we, they, also, uh, we also saw Julian Alvarez drop into the midfield and play the Kevin De Bruyne role in this game. And I wonder if that's going to be something we see more so in the future as, as De Bruyne climbs in age in the next few years, whether... Julian Alvarez finds himself playing attacking midfield and that's how they get him into this side and give him more minutes. Uh, I sort of wondered where he fit in this squad and whether he was going to be one of those players that just moved on from City quite quickly because, you know, Haaland is Haaland and they don't really have a place for another striker in this squad. Um, but he midweek signed on until 2028 and then started in a new role in this game. So potentially something we see more so going into the future. I would be very surprised if that happened. Surely they're just going to sign a hundred million pound central attacking midfielder. I think that's the most likely thing to happen. And Alvarez will become the sort of player that goes to Borussia Dortmund and helps them finish second. Alvarez will become Gabby Jesus 2.0 and go to Arsenal and help them finish second in five years time. Imagine that. Listen to the lip on this guy. Doesn't know anything (laughs) about any other team outside of England. And here he is with that sort of chat. It's what did I nice. tell you? About, what did I tell you? Tell you the other week about your club? You just it's watch just, it, man. It's just nice to not be the team falling from top to second in the last six weeks of the season <laughs> for once. Our goal was for top four, so uh, yeah. Uh, man United beat Villa one 0 I'm not sure any of us paid any interest in this one. It was <clears> in that that awful time slot that's really hard late on a Sunday night. I think that one. Um, did I you see the goal at because least because I didn't. I haven't even looked at the highlights. I just brought okay. it up because um came across my desk today some of Rio Ferdinand's comments about Unai Emery randomly taking a bit of a swing. It seems really unnecessary. Why is uh why are Man United 
uh, Man United old folks getting upset by Villa? Are they are they perhaps fearful? That's weird. What did he say? Do you have the do you have the words? Uh, do you have any paraphrase? Something about him uh, just he needs to sit down or whatever and just whatever. Yeah, basically trying to put him back in his Ooh. place because United beat Villa. But it does sound like a threat, I don't know if but... Emery doesn't seem the sort that is kind of provoking that sort of attitude from anyone, is he? He's just out there minding anything, his own business. Didn't see anything pre-game. That sounds no. like a very uninstigated swing. I don't know what's going on there. I think you know. Maybe that rattled. Worried. I would be rattled too. Aston Villa have been phenomenal since Emery have come on board. And in this game, you know, they only scored Man United through a charitable long ball from the goalkeeper that's like mightily headed back by Casemiro and he exposes a very square back line and that's it. That's 1-0. I don't know. I'd, I'd have Villa finishing above Man United next season. Maybe that's what it is. Ooh, huge, Ooh. huge call. Love that. They've got a good enough squad, and United do have holes they need to fix. Um, Newcastle beat Southampton three one. Uh, I guess we've we've done Newcastle the last few weeks. They've been really good turning it on. Uh, when we predicted they might start to drop away, but they haven't. They've gone the other direction. Instead of just grinding out more draws, they're getting wins now. They're scoring goals. Isak involved again with another couple. Southampton just kind of burying themselves even deeper in the hole they're in. But I think all was as predicted in that one. Did we see the... Um, I'm not sure if you saw it, Tommy, but you might have come across a, a Nick Andrew message in a group chat during the week that was, what's the point of having all this Saudi money if Eddie Howe's just going to turn all of our players into fucking world beaters? <laughs> Oh, yeah. All of the ones they haven't signed already. Is that what he's talking about? The the two or three that are left over from the previous regime? Sure. <laughs> oh, it's rubbish. It's complete trash. Like, come on. They've signed six, uh, like six high-profile, well-paid, huge, not huge transfer, but, you know, a, a good amount of money spent on each of these players. They're not there because of Eddie Howe and the local boys. Sure. Longstaff plays. He's brought Amaron back, and Amaron's now a legend, apparently, because he scored Joel a couple Linton. of goals. Joel Linton. Look, that is probably you the have one to that give I'll credit give for what he's done with Joel Linton. Yeah, that was wild. And to change his position and get him motivated to play it in the in the manner that he is. Yes, Jacob Murphy potentially. I thought he was always going to be a good player when you saw him at Norwich. Willick. But outside of that, Willick as well. Well, again, this is another player that's got Dan Byrne playing at left back. He's still got Fabian Shaw. I still think you need to give credit. It's not a complete rebuild. Dan Burns not that good at left back. This is why they do concede no, but goals. But as a team, they've been solid. I'm just going to... Newcastle did not sign enough players in the preseason transfer window or make enough moves in January to finish inside the top four this season, let alone third. That's a fair point. Come on, Tommy. I don't believe so because look who they're competing against: Aston Villa, Brighton, Brentford. Chelsea, Chelsea, spent, Chelsea, Chelsea spent a billion dollars and they're still in relegation danger. Look, there's obviously a difference between appropriate spending and you know just absolute mindlessness that Chelsea have employed this season. But that doesn't mean that you should discount the fact that they did spend the most amount of money of any team in Europe. In the 2022, uh, the 2022 calendar year. Like that's just indisputed. They haven't made, it's no net spend. It's all outlay. And you bring in guys like Isak, who's a fucking gun, of course, but they outlaid a huge amount of money on him. Gim, uh, Grimieris is the same thing. And it's like Anthony Gordon, they spend a shitload of money on. Trippier less so, but still had to spend money to bring him in. Like, I think it's just dumb to not consider the fact that they've got new investment and attribute that in some way to their finishing position. Oh, yeah, I think they do and it does. But I think, you know, Europa League would have been probably where I was thinking they'd be looking to aim at. And, you know, they still might, but, you know, they're looking good at the moment. I think we've still got to give some credit there to Eddie Howe. He's still done nah. good work. Consider yeah. the leagues. I mean, look at Spurs right now. Look at Liverpool. I mean, these are, yeah, these I are teams I'm you would not expect sure. to... Yeah. What's your argument there? These are teams you would expect to be as dominant as Newcastle. And Newcastle are outperforming them. I think they're underperforming. 
I don't think they're outperforming anything, really. Come on. Come on. This is the hill I'll die on. I don't you want to die Newcastle on the Newcastle aren't good. I don't think they've been spectacular this season. They've belted some shit teams in the last couple of games. Yeah, like Southampton, Everton. If you're a good side, you should be. You should be putting multiple goals past them. Yes, they should be dribbling past four statues. For they've lost the same amount of games this year as Arsenal and Manchester City. And we've discussed how they set up in the first half of the season. If you want to play low block defensive bullshit, by all means, you do that while spending the extravagant amount of months, uh, amount of money they have. Like you have to consider them in the City Arsenal spectacle, and then when they don't provide the same entertainment. That immediately degrades them. So why is why is Jose Mourinho a genius for spending hundreds of millions of pounds and playing low block defensive football to win Premier League Never titles? But Eddie Howe's just some loser in in Tynecastle not doing. Oh it. no, Cooper, you've Never gone s- wrong there. You've gone after <laughs> Never the wrong said he person was, on bro. that one. You've gone after the wrong guy. You've got to know your audience, Cooper. Come on, man, you've lost it there. I was on your side for a while, and then you just you fucked it. You fucked it, good and proper. Mute yourself, mate. Come on. <laughs> None of us are calling Mourinho a genius. No chance. Um, that I'll Porto just, squad was pretty thin, though. <laughs> I, I want to quickly say Everton drew with Leicester 2 all. I skipped a game because I just wanted to get that score out of the way so we could come back and talk about Liverpool 4, Spurs 3 because uh, basically just to laugh at Richarlison, I guess. Is that a good enough reason? Sure, why not? Let's go. Let's who, do it. Who isn't Liverpool laughing four, at Spurs 3. Oh, he's just delivered again, hasn't he? What a ridiculous, what a ridiculous human being. Like, surely he knows by now taking your shirt off does not bode well. Why did, what I want to know is why after Richarlison celebrated like a nutcase for over a minute and a half, why when everyone was walking back to the halfway line, did Son decide it was a good idea to grab him by the arm and remind him that they should (laughs) waddle like a pair of fucking pigeons? before conceding the it worst is, goal of all time 15 seconds later. like It is hands down the funniest thing I've seen in football for years. Like this is, Karen, does anyone remember the Karen Bullet offside oh, celebration? How could you forget? Where he ran all the way. He ran like 100 metres, it was about 40 <laughs> metres. Ran 100 metres to the RBB and jumped in there and didn't know he was offside. This is like, like you said, Cooper, like a minute and a half. This celebration has like five phases to it. And it starts with him getting his first Premier League goal right, <laughs> in round 33. And it's a scuffed header against, I guess, you know, Liverpool are still Liverpool, but they are below Spurs on the table. Are they not? Are they still? They were. Not, not anymore. They were. Yeah. And a scuffed header. To make scores level, it's not a winner. It's to make scores level. And he's run off. He runs off. He rips his shirt off. There's phase one. He jumps up on the advertising board. That's phase two. He starts walking off. He shushes the crowd. That's three. He shushes the crowd again. That's four. As he's getting pushed back to the middle, he shushes the crowd again. That's five. And then, like you said, Son comes over, this idiot, lucky I needed any more reason to laugh at this guy, comes over and decides, yeah, let's do this fucking pigeon dance. Yay, we've grabbed a point. Yay, we're drawing. And my mate here scored his first goal with a scuffed header. Yeah, let's make, let's drag this out. Where is your social, like, awareness? Where's the awareness of the occasion? It, like, are they literally in their heads? Are they literally like, yeah. We're the fucking best. Go us. Look at us dancing after that goal to make it three all. What a bunch of fucking idiots. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd want them both fucking sacked. Are you only just realizing footballers are like self-obsessed assholes? Of no, course I'm they not don't just realizing it just it still it irks me big time the way players just don't have this sense of they have just Occasion. this the, the balance is all out, isn't it? I think, and I think they just threw themselves massively as a team, and and I don't understand what the fuck happened for this Diogo Jota goal a mere thirty seconds after all this shambolic whatever the fuck you want to call what Spurs are doing is. First Pigeon of all, brothers. I, I want to know when we kicked <laughs> off from the kickoff. I want to know why Lucas Mora was playing right back. 
Yeah. <laughs> when he came on on the wing and was running around as a striker until they found their third and then instantly was at right back as soon as we kicked off. But then a, a missed header and a ball to float over the back to him and he thought that playing the softest pass back to one of the biggest goalkeepers and slowest, least mobile off his line goalkeepers I've ever seen in Fraser Forster. Just oh, here we go. Lotta. More force to hate. I'm just. This is not the kind of pass you play to a guy with the stature of Fraser Forster. It doesn't Can matter you... who your keeper is. You don't. You're not. You don't play that pass. And, and this and wasn't to the keeper, was it? It was this, to the centre back. This back pass is so bad that him. once he's missed this defender and Forster hasn't got there, Jota takes three <laughs> touches inside the penalty area before he shoots. He has Jota has as long as Richarlison celebrated for to make a decision on whether to shoot or pass. This ball. Oh. And he made he made the right call, didn't he? I'll, look, no more Fraser Force to hate. Sammy, you're with me. Yeah, that was it's not a pass it's to nothing, the keeper. And honestly, it doesn't do matter who your goalkeeper is if you play that pass. That pass is so bad, it doesn't matter who's it doesn't matter who's in goal. That's fucked. Um, it's not a hospital pass, it's a kamikaze pass. It's horrible. Um, you're gonna be jumping on it. I'd just also like to thank Diogo Jota for kicking Oliver Skip in the brain as well, because it just meant I didn't have to watch the worst footballer in the Premier League run around for the last 15 minutes of the game. Well, 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 you didn't see Weston McKenney on the weekend. Mm, he's <laughs> Weston McKenney, he's junk. You did watch Rosalison though, so joke's on you. Um, Was it a red coup? Surely. Come on, get rid of him. That's dangerous. Could have killed him. Honestly, at the time, I didn't think it was. Um, nah, that's probably not a. Eh? I, I just think Skip gets so low with his head. Like I understand it, it boot to head contact, but it's not really a high foot. Like it's just above his waist. Like it's not. It's not overly high. I don't think you could be too aggrieved if he was sent off. But I think the yellow is more than fair. I, yeah, I don't reckon unless you're angling your boot to like half volley someone's head, it shouldn't be a red card. If you're just contesting a ball that a guy's stooping for, like just sure. And I'm, I'm glad win. that he stayed on the pitch and scored the winner as well after the incident where he kicked skip when Harry Kane spent nearly two minutes berating a fucking official that had already made a decision about whether it should be a red card or not while his teammate was laying on the floor fucking bleeding. And, and and Kane in this game, you know, for the first, Liverpool went 3-0 up so quickly in this game and Harry Kane did exactly what we've spoken about him doing in the last few weeks. He didn't drop in. He didn't try and inspire his team. He jogged at a quarter pace side by so, side to side, not even pressing a defense for another fucking 38 minutes until he got on the end of one. He just really is so prepared to let 10 blokes do all the work for him and take all the, all the reward. And, and he was supposed to be the captain in this game. He's just really that fearless leader, isn't he? I have nothing to add on Harry Kane that I haven't <laughs> said in the last few weeks. His goal last week, goal. like I said, if you want to hear it, go back and listen to last week's episode. But his goal last week really proved the quality he has and what he can do. Just, why don't he just get some balls and show it? Um, I just want to finish uh, with actually there's two things I want to finish with the first one is I want to finish with a little Ange watch because there was an old firm semi-final on the weekend in the Scottish Cup um, Celtic came away 1-0 winners after a Jota goal um, they were pretty good in this one Aaron Moy came on late it's worth a mention because he's been great for Celtic when he's played this year Um Rangers looked pretty up for it and they created a bit, but just uh, the Cameron uh, Carter Vickers, who Celtic got, I think they got him on loan originally from Spurs, but now own him. I'm not 100% sure, but the US centre back, he is, he was a machine and was best on ground by a mile. Didn't you say to me that you weren't sure how Rangers hadn't scored? Was that just more yeah, unlike or sure good, good Celtic defenders? Well, they hadn't scored because Carter Vickers was just getting at everything. There was also one yeah. There was one where um, I think Arfield, Scott Arfield might have hit the post and it came out to Fashion Sakala who had an open goal and hit the side netting. Great um, that, name. That was their Fashion Sakala. Yeah, it's a great name. Fashion, get in um, there. But he Should bashed be, the side him, netting. Get him in the Met Gala, Sammy. Uh, but other than that, they just had, uh, you know, standard guys who were uh, decent at low-level Premier League teams that they recruit and think are going to be world beaters. Like Todd Cantwell is the new one. Um, oh, I saw that incident with Cantwell. That's uh, yeah. 
He's it's a bit right. Hagan. I don't mind him as a player. I think he's okay, but yeah, he, he plays for them now. So well, um, the water bottle. Try to truth. All right, I'm not happy um, about it. And the last about it. The last thing I wanted to finish on was just um, I just wanted to laugh at Richarlison dancing like a pigeon again. <laughs> like, it's honestly <laughs> fucked. I can't believe he did it. I can't believe him and Son did that. And I've got this image in my head every time I see it, and I see the dumb smile on their faces. Um, I just can't believe it. The best moment of that for me was when Son came running over to him. He had the biggest grin on his face like they'd practiced this after yeah. every training session for the last nine months and were just <laughs> waiting for this useless fuck to score a goal finally. And he was like a kid in a candy store. He was like, you touched that, right? You touched that. You got your head on that. All right, let's fucking dance like a pair of fucks. They still look like, if Liverpool don't score the winner, they still look like dickheads. Because it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, we do. We lost 6-1 last week, but we drew this week. Yay. Like, just, fuck, man. This God, when so he scored, funny. When he scores this good, goal. It's a good comeback. When he, but when he scores this goal, there's four minutes of stoppage time left, and Tottenham have had all the momentum for the last 40 minutes, and a win secures them in fifth and keeps them in the race for fourth. And he's more concerned about running around doing cartwheels for two minutes than grabbing the ball and getting back to the halfway line and trying to win a game of football. I don't know. <laughs> Liverpool call this kind of fight back a magical night, so I don't they think do. three goals. They do. Just, hmm. uh, magical night at Anfield. Um, if anyone, if anyone understands. Doing, yeah. The shush thing as well is like, who are you shushing and why? Like, um, he's he former was, Everton. He was, yeah, he was yeah, shushing. He was that. shushing a Liverpool crowd that, that. that booed him notoriously for that. 10 minutes. My point is, you haven't done anything that's worth <laughs> noticing. You scored a scuffed header at your first uh, goal for them. Please stop. Uh, anyway, I'm going to end. Otherwise, I'll just keep going on about. Oh, Sammy, Sammy, can night. I end what with Richarlison season? Sure, go on. <clears throat> uh, goal, take shirt off, disallowed and booked. Goal, take shirt off, disallowed, sent off. Goal, take shirt off, does pigeon dance, booked. Liverpool goal at the other end, winner anyway. <laughs> what a season. That's a great place to wrap it up. That's episode 111. You can catch, keep your eye, uh, keep your eye out for a red edition as well because uh, we're going to go through that disaster of an Adelaide United performance last Friday against Central Coast. But we're still, we've got finals coming. So, you know, who knows? All right, tune into that. Keep an eye on your feed. Get around us on the socials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to leave a review or a rating on the pod, go do it. All right, catch you, folks.